You are listening to the Reality Steve Podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind-the-scenes juice on Tasha's season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 213. I'm your host, Reality C. You've got a very, very interesting show for you this week. Someone that I don't know a lot of you are familiar with, but you should be after this podcast. Her name is Susanna, and she runs the Bachelor Data Instagram account, at Bachelor Data. You've got to check it out. I'm telling you, some of the more interesting stuff you'll see on the internet regarding this Bachelor franchise. Before we get started, though, I do want to talk about a few things. Not too much here. Um, As I said in my column earlier this week, in regards to the spoilers for this season, I'm recording this open on Wednesday night. I still don't have anything in regards to the ending of Tasha's season. What did I report to you at the beginning of the season? I said, Tasha picked Zach. Uh, There was no engagement, but I didn't know the status of their relationship. Uh, And then this week I laid out everything in terms of what I've been hearing. And the latest thing I heard was post-show there was a breakup between Zach and Tasha, And um, she has begun speaking to Brendan. But I said, look, that's what I'm hearing. And I have no confidence in that whatsoever. If it ends up being true. I'm not going to take credit like, oh, yeah, I knew the ending. I'm going to say I should have put more stock into it. I just haven't gotten the confirmation that I need normally when I hear stuff. So I was just laying out there everything this week of what I told you happened um, or what what I told you I'm hearing happened. Um, I don't know if that's true, but I wanted to let you know I guess it's a possibility. If you were to ask me right now what I think, I really don't know. I I don't know what happens at the end of their season. I can guess based on things – We've kind of seen, I I mean, I think it is pretty clear. The other thing I heard at the beginning of the season that I posted was that Brendan left on his own. He self-eliminated. I think we can see that in the previews. It's pretty, uh, you piece stuff together. It looks like he he definitely leaves at the night portion of his overnight date before he is about to spend the night with Tasha. But after that, like, I, I don't, I don't have anything definitive. If you were to ask me what I think happens, I would just go back to what I originally reported at the beginning of the year. Beginning of the season, before the season started, I said, she picked Zach and there's no engagement. And I don't know their relationship status now. And Brendan self-eliminates. I think that's probably where we're at. But the other thing being, I just don't know what their relationship is. You know, are they still together? Um, Have they gotten engaged since the ending? Um, I don't know. But uh, if you're asking me who do I think she picks, I do think she picks Zach. I don't. Uh, I don't think that has changed really in my mind um, based on anything I've heard. Um, The thing about Brendan and them talking and her and Zach already breaking up, I have no idea if that's true or not. No clue. I didn't get the proof that I needed or the the solid confirmation that I needed. So um, just threw it out there and just let you know. And if it doesn't, if that ends up being it, you know, for all those who uh, keep my track record of everything that I get right or wrong on the show, you can just chalk this one up to – I don't know, an inconclusive or an incomplete. I didn't finish my homework assignment uh, because, yeah, I mean, I, I guess if it ends up being what happens at 
that I said at the beginning of the season that, hey, she's with – she picked Zach. There was no engagement. I mean, I guess you could say I got that part you know, right, the main thing. Like, who did she pick? And did they get engaged? The answer – you know, if that ends up happening, I had that before the season. But um, so the show is just like they love – keeping up um, having whatever happened at the end of the show continue on after the show. And by the time we get to the ending, sometimes things have changed. I think three of the last four seasons, the ending has changed from what we saw in the finale till what happens on the after the final rose. So I don't even think they're doing an after the final rose this year, which also lends a lot of credibility to the fact that the Brendan stuff probably isn't true. So uh, because if that were true, they would want some sort of update, right? To tell people, Hey, this is what's going on with Tasha and Brendan or whatever. So, like I said, it's it's a lot of messiness. If I can get some sort of answer by Monday or Tuesday, by all means, I, I will give it to you. But um, if you're asking me what I think, probably stick with what I originally said before the season. Just pick Zach, no engagement. And I don't know what their status is right now. So, uh, there's that. Um, again, um, everything from uh, last week's podcast uh, with Tasha's ex-husband, I, that was all in yesterday's column. Um, go go read that. Even if you are somebody that hated what Josh said and hated the fact that I even gave him a platform, I would go read some of the emails that people sent in yesterday um, and, and just kind of open your mind uh, to things uh, and just realize that it probably wasn't as bad as you thought it was. Like I, had a, I, I mean, I knew what I was getting into by putting him on because he's talking negatively uh, or even if it's you don't think it's negatively, it's just he's – the things that he are saying is going against somebody who's very uh, well-liked in the franchise, Tasha. So, of course, you're going to have way more people disliking him just based on that fact alone than, than liking him. But um, the people who uh, came to my defense and, and, and laid out really good examples and really good reasons as to why what he said wasn't nearly as bad as what a lot of people thought, um, go read those in yesterday's uh, column if you'd like. Uh, if not, that's okay too. So, um, but let's get started here. Very interesting person that I don't know if you know about her Instagram page yet. Her name is Susanna, and she runs the Bachelor Data Instagram account that I think after this interview, you should all start following, and you'll want to all start following after this. So, here we go with podcast number 213. Okay, let's bring her in. Her name is Susanna, and she runs the Instagram account Bachelor Data which is truly one of the more fascinating accounts out there right now. And, and that's why I wanted to bring you on. Susanna, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to talk some data today. Yeah. Um, I'm a numbers guy. I've said it for years. I love math. I was the guy that was better at algebra than geometry. I like the math. I've, I grew up on sports statistics and stuff like that. So um, what you're doing is is right up my alley and you know rather than follow each individual person and track their increase in followers you're basically doing my work for me so thank you <laughs> it's a lot easier that way and and really there really is nothing even close to it at least that I've seen on the internet that is dissecting this show's statistics like you do this is a really fascinating account that is less than a year old so I wanted to introduce people to it introduce people to you and we'll dive into some of the stuff that you do for people that are unfamiliar with it. But I first, I want to start out with just kind of introducing yourself and letting us know who you are, your background, how you got started with this idea, why are you so fascinated with the statistics of this show? Yeah, so 
I actually started this project back in December of 2018. Um, I am a technology director for a school district out here in Massachusetts. And as I was taking on that role of becoming a technology director, I thought it was probably about time for me to learn how to use spreadsheets a little bit better. Um, at the time, I thought I knew how to use them pretty well, just because I knew how to do a basic, you know, sum formula. But nothing sounded worse to me at the time than taking an Excel class. It just sounded really dry. So I decided to start tracking the followers on the show during the airing of the seasons to see what happened and then play with the data instead. So it's kind of like a passion project to use something fun to learn how to use spreadsheets better. And then throughout the seasons, I started posting about my data on the Bachelor subreddit and I got Boom. a lot of great feedback. <laughs> you know, back in 2018, it was a really small subreddit. It was, you know, only about 30,000 subscribers on it. Now it's it's well over 150,000 followers or subscribers. It was a pretty small community at the time. And it was, there were a lot of people who were really interested in the data. And they were providing really awesome feedback that helped me learn how to use spreadsheets better. And at the time, I was just posting screenshots of my spreadsheet. Um, and then I started to realize that n most people don't look at numbers and just be able to calculate it in their head. So I started to explore data visualization. Um, and at the end of Peter's season, um, back in February, I decided to start posting about it on Instagram. Um, and that was just before, you know, the world just went into full COVID mode, including myself. So it's been really fun to post about this on Instagram and really push myself on the visualization side on showing the data and being able to tell stories around it um, and really learning more about the show and the data itself. Yeah, I mean, this stuff that you're doing is super intricate. Like, you are dissecting things the average fan doesn't even think about, I'm sure, when they're watching this show. But in 2020 and this day and age of social media, it absolutely is information and statistics that I believe, you know, people want to see. We all talk about, like, who's got the most followers. And, and even though I haven't checked for a few days, I'm going to go to the expert here. I still assume that Hannah Brown and Tyler Cameron are number one and number two in terms of most followers in Bachelor Nation, female and male? Yes. What is Hannah Brown at right now? Um, she's still above two million. Um, she's impressively kept her Instagram She's way above two million, numbers. isn't she? Isn't she close to three? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, no, no. not She's not close to three yet. She's normally hovering around 2.2 million. But what was really interesting was with everything that went down this summer, her following... Oh, yeah, it's at 2.7. So it is actually closer to 3 million. Yeah, I, knew, I, knew, um, I thought 2.8 this summer when everything went down. I thought looking at it like, yeah. I'm curious to see how much she loses, if anything. And she really didn't lose much. I mean, if you look at 2.7 versus 2.8 million, and you look at that number and you say, oh, well, it's 100,000 followers that she lost. In the grand scheme of things, when you have 2.8 million followers, that's not a big loss. Um, so that was what I started to find through following these numbers is looking at the intricacies of what's happening on the show or in the news and seeing how the U.S. reacts to it or just the watchers of the show, especially now that it's gone international. It's been really interesting to see who trends up, but then also finding the space in between the data. So, you know, it's not just who has the most followers, but who's having the biggest growth rates compared to their follower counts as a consequence of what's happening on the show or in the media. Yeah, I mean, 
Tyler Cameron is at two point two million. He was the one. That's probably you were mixing him up with Hannah. Yeah. He's the one at two point two million. He's the highest male contestant in this show's history in terms of followers. No one else has two point two. I don't think anybody else is even in the twos yet for male. Right? Colton maybe close. Yeah. Or was I think he was hovering around two million, but ever since he wiped his Instagram account, he's been trending down. Yeah, uh, that would that would do it for you. <laughs> Peter's um, also doing really well too. Peter Kraus Weber. or Peter Pilot Weber. Peter. Yeah, so he was above two million for a bit, but he's now down to one point nine million. Okay. Um, the growth rate to me is interesting. Because it's not like you said, it's just not so much you just saying who has the most. Because any of us can just pull up someone's Instagram account, look at their number, and be like, "Oh, okay, they got this many." You're breaking it down on a seasonal basis, a weekly basis, a daily basis. Hell, sometimes even <laughs> hourly basis. Like, why? And and what is it? What has it shown you? Well, what I wanted to see was what happens on the show that leads to what, and that's a pretty basic question to ask. And then when you start diving into it, it it gets pretty complex because then you start wanting to analyze screen time and that in itself is just a nightmare to figure out how to calculate. But what I, this season's actually a great example where you look at Blake who, you know, he just got eliminated this week and he's been holding pretty high in the top five most followed contestants all season. But if you look week to week, like, you know, the past few weeks, his growth rate's been really low so he hasn't been gaining very many followers compared to what he currently has. But then if you look at people that do get a lot of screen time, like Riley got a ton of screen time this week. Um, like Blake, for example, he his growth rate was only 9% um, based on his previous follower counts, whereas Riley had a 47% growth rate. So it's interesting to kind of combine what their screen time has been versus what their growth rate has been. And you can find a lot of interesting trends there. So my first season was Colton's. And one of the first trends that I found was actually Taysha. Uh, so Taysha was final three. And it took in a week after hometown dates for her to break the top 10 most followed contestants on her season. Yeah, I mean, she had people above her that had went home on week five. And she couldn't break top 10. She was getting screen time. She was going on the one-on-one dates. She had a storyline. But, you know, the the Demi, the Demi was ahead of her. But even some other people that you just, you don't remember were ahead of her. Um, yeah. And, you know, whenever you start sharing that data, it leads to a lot of impactful conversations about, you know, the show and what's the show doing around different people, especially when you look at non-white contestants, but then it also tells you a lot about the viewers and who they're choosing to follow. Yeah. I mean, after you say that, I mean, my question to you would be, Susanna, why do you hate Tasha so much? Just kidding. <laughs> um, you just, you, you, know, just you, you said she was outside the top 10, even though she was in final three, but she couldn't even break top 10 of followers. So that must mean you hate her. It must mean you have an implicit bias against her. It must mean you, your statement has uh, racist undertones and I don't appreciate it, so I'm kicking you off the podcast. I'm kidding. Um, I'm just used to <laughs> well, hearing that. I mean, one of my one of my goals for Bachelor Data though is to create content that starts conversations between people who watch the show. For you sure. know, I, like I get a lot of flat 
for watching this show. You know, whenever I get to work and I'm like, oh, yeah, did you see last night's episode of The Bachelor? And people raise their eyebrow. But, you know, I've always enjoyed data-driven conversations as an educator. I used to be an elementary teacher and now working in educational technology. And being able to bring that type of data perspective to the world of The Bachelor to drive those conversations is something that hasn't really happened on a detailed level. And, you know, sometimes those conversations are silly, like how many times is the word Dale mentioned? But then other times that data can drive really uncomfortable conversations on things like white privilege with family members who still don't see those glaring inequities in representation. But what's exciting about it all is that it's it's all rooted in data. Um, and having collect this data is now leading to some really awesome conversations around it. Hey guys, I want to talk to you again about Magic Spoon. You know growing up, cereal was my favorite thing to eat right before bed. Ate all the sugary cereals. I even started doing it as an adult. Continued to do it as an adult, but uh, realized recently, gotta cut back on that. They're full of sugar. It's junk food. Really shouldn't eat, especially right before bedtime. Been trying to cut down on carbs and sugar and unhealthy foods. Oh man, it sucks. Anyway. I've got Magic Spoon for you. It's zero sugar, 11 grams of protein, and only three net carbs in each serving. Comes in four flavors. Cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. They taste just like your sugary cereals, except without all that sugar. Tastes amazing. Honestly, it's too good to be true. It's keto-friendly. It's gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. I can have it before bed and not feel like I'm on some sort of sugar rush. I can have it in the morning. It's great. Go to magicspoon.com slash Steve. Grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code Steve at checkout to get free shipping. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund you your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash Steve and use the code Steve for free shipping. We thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring this podcast. This may seem so obvious and simple, but is it safe to say that on any given episode that airs, someone who gets a one-on-one or, let's say, is in the top three of screen time for that particular episode will gain the most followers in the next 24 hours after the episode airs? Now, this season, yes, but I haven't always seen that. So I, I always like to go back to Colton's season because it was the first where I started to see this, but Taisha was one of the ones that if you looked at a heat map each episode um, of who gained the most followers the week after, you could easily see who had one-on-one dates with the exception of Taisha. So, and, and that's happened on other seasons too. So it's not just Taisha that would be an example, but um, on Hannah Brown's season, um, Jed did not gain incredible amounts and was not the highest gains after his one-on-one dates. But I think that there was also some bias in that, that a lot of people knew about the story that was growing behind the scenes about his ex-girlfriend or yeah. girlfriend when he went on the show. Yeah. That's kind of my, I kind of my thoughts on the breakdown of screen time. It, it's almost like you might get a one-on-one, which is usually a 15 minute segment. Um, but it's also got to be positive because someone yeah. like Yosef, if he's berating Claire while the screen time focus was on him, that's not going to translate into, oh, let me go follow him on Instagram because I really care what this guy thinks about things after watching him perform on, on Claire's yeah. season. And, you know, you even had it this week um, on your latest update or one of your most uh, two most recent updates. Uh, 
you know, Bachelorette Instagram growth from episode 10, which was Monday's episode. Yeah, which yeah. was Monday's episode that Yosef, who appeared on the Mentel All, looking at his statistics, he gained 372 followers in the 24 hours after Monday's episode airs aired, and he had 2.7% of the screen time the overall two-hour screen time that the episode was on, on Monday. And he gained 372 followers. So you compare that to some of the other guys? Granted, they had way more screen time. Like I said, Yosef was only at 2.7%. But someone like Ben... Um, ben wasn't even on the show on Monday. <laughs> um, well, he was on I the... Mean, he was, you can even put him next to Ed. I mean, in that, that post, he's right next to Ed. And... Ed had almost the same amount of screen time, 1.8% of the entire episode, yet Ed gained 1,500 followers and had a 27, 26% growth rate. Yeah. So I think something that's really interesting with Yosef, and I don't give my opinions a ton, um, I, I really just like to look at the data. You know, looking at villains, right? There's different types of villains that we have on this show. So you have like the Olivia Carides that are, you know, just totally producer made was not actually a villain, but they edited it and really just stirred up drama to make them look and be the villain on the season. Olivia wasn't actually a villain, but then you have like the Chad Johnsons or the Yosefs that are like the really just, they should have vetted these guys better and not brought on people like this, but being able to see that type of data to see that that was one of my opinions that I shared this week was it's actually good to see this type of to see that this type of negative and just disgusting behavior isn't being reinforced by followers. Well, now that I'm looking at this, your bachelorette Instagram growth for episode 10, the 23 hour update, which was everything that happened after the episode off the air. So you have been at zero screen time on Monday. Obviously we know he wasn't in the second hour because that was all men tell all. Yeah. Ben was not ever shown in the first hour of Monday's episode. So that would have been Blake's one-on-one and then the rose ceremony, like, so he never got any screen time, yet he gained 12,000 followers on Monday? So here's the interesting thing about how I calculate screen time. Yeah, this that, is my well, first season. that was going to be my next question, is, <laughs> is how exactly do you calculate screen time? Yeah, so this is a tricky one, because in past seasons, I started to calculate how long each segment was especially towards the end of the season. So hometown date starts, hometown date ends. Okay, that's how long, uh, I don't know, Tasha's hometown date was. This season, I wanted to get down and get real data on ITMs, who's talking. And I sat down for a few hours the first time I tried to do this to really try to iron out a, a type of criteria to figure out how you calculated it. And I landed on calling it featured screen time. And basically what featured screen time is, is any time that they are on the screen talking. So if Tasha's on a one-on-one date and they cut to her in an ITM, that time starts calculating towards her. But if you have Bennett and Noah on a two-on-one and they're bickering back and forth, if the screen is on Noah's face, but it's Bennett that's talking, the time goes towards Bennett. So it's there's a lot of different criteria that go towards it. But just simply being on the screen doesn't doesn't mean that you're going to get screen time. Because when Tasha came in to go talk to the guys after she broke up with Blake, and then she took Riley out, well, Ben was physically on the screen. We did see him on that couch, but we didn't really see him talk. 
there was a, a one second snippet that he spoke in passing as she was walking in. He didn't get an ITM and you didn't see him talking when the guys were talking about Riley leaving or not coming back. Um, so that time was calculated towards other contestants. Like Zach C was really heavily featured in that segment, talking back and forth with some other contestants about Riley leaving. Um, so that's how it's calculated. And it's, it's an absolute nightmare <laughs> to calculate every week. I love the, my data work that I do, but the worst parts of my week are having to sit down to collect this data because it's manual. It's starting and stopping my Amazon video to figure out the exact minute and second for each person. It's horrible. And you're doing this for fun. Like you're not, as far as I know, you're not getting paid for this, right? This is just a hobby. <laughs> I'm not. This is a hobby. And it's, it's really just become not only a great project for me to learn all this data visualization, but in my job as a technology director for my school district, I do run a lot of the data collection. You know, right now we're doing a ton of surveys around bringing kids back to school. So I really work on getting that raw data and making it something we can work with. And the best part of this hobby has been it's benefited me professionally. So it helps me as soon as I go to actually create a dashboard for my district for different people to use. I don't have to sit there for hours agonizing over color theory or the design or the layout, I can look at data better now to figure it out. Well, I can tell you one other thing. Um, you might not be getting paid for this, um, but it is useful. And I guarantee you, um, you know, you're starting to, to grow this. Um, I guarantee you that a lot of other podcasts, including myself, I absolutely will. And on my website, will just start referencing you a lot more and referencing so-and-so's gain in followers. Did you see this? Did you see on Bachelor Data where so-and-so only gained X amount of followers even though they had a one-on-one and stuff like that? It's going to drive conversation for sure. It definitely will on this podcast. I'm going to reference it probably a lot going forward because I only found out about this like two weeks ago. Um, I didn't realize this was happening and that you were doing this and putting it on Instagram. So, it's been great. Um, I, I'm looking at Monday again. I'm looking at this after Monday's episode, the 23-hour update, and it is amazing because Ben Smith had 0% screen time, according to your calculations, yet he gained the most followers 24 hours after Monday's episode ended. He gained 12,000. Second place was Riley, who had his exit, had 12% screen time, yet he gained 11,000. And, you know, it's just it is fascinating to look at because it's – and look, maybe some people are intimidated by math, and I know there are people out there that absolutely hate numbers and hate. Uh, it's like, look, you don't have to do any sort of addition, subtraction, multiplication, or division <laughs> in your head. Susanna's doing it all for you. All you got to do is look and 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 look at Bachelor data, and look at these charts. I mean, I think we can all read pie charts. I think we can all read bar graphs. I mean, that's basically what you're doing, and it's very very simple. Um, I hope more people you know, start looking at this stuff. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm now curious to see when is, when is Tuesday's episode, the 24 hour update? When is that coming? Um, it normally comes around right now, but this week has been pretty rough. Um, not only, uh, for bachelor related stuff with two episodes and data collection, um, but also with work, we, Google had a massive outage earlier this week and it just has felt like stuff has been coming up since. So mm. it'll probably be coming out on Thursday um, or later tonight. But it's it's a, it's a not a bad process. It's just more of the screen time that takes some time to collect. Um, but it's really exciting. And, and on the topic of 
of being able to show that data, what I found is the best data visualizations are the ones that you, you don't need to be able to do the math yourself. It's just ones that you can pull up and you can easily figure out what data is without having to calculate it yourself. And that's, that's also been pushing me and a lot of the awesome feedback I've been getting, um, especially since I started putting this all on Instagram. I've had people from, you know, actual data scientists in my in my direct messages. And then I also have uh, actual designers who work with color palettes reaching out to me with recommendations and feedback. Um, and then I also have some contestants reaching out, giving a lot of really interesting insights from their perspective on the data. Um, but it's, it's really helped me grow my understanding of data visualization for other people to be able to easily use it and then how to, um, you know, appropriately tell the stories around the data. Yeah. I mean, cause it's not, there's so many different, it's, it's very, the graphics are great. Um, it's very easy to read and there are some things that come out right away, like, the episode segments, um, you know, after Monday's episode, I think within an hour, your episode segment breakdown was already up. And then last night, same thing. Um, just, uh, you know, when you look at, let's just take Tuesday's episode, for example, we know that there were four hometown dates and there's a rose ceremony uh, and there's commercials. And it's it's pretty simple, broken down. This is not one of the more intricate breakdowns, but you know, Brendan's hometown took 15 minutes, Zach's 15 minutes, Ivan's 18 minutes, Ben's 14 minutes. The rose ceremony overall took 13 minutes. There were 38 minutes of commercials, uh, non-date time, which I'm assuming is Tasha just what, uh, getting dressed and stuff like that, or yep. the guys getting ready or the guys walking in and then two minutes of previews. And there's your two hours yep. all covered in a, in a pie chart. So, um, that takes you Looked like about an hour. It seemed like this was up about an hour after the show ended last uh, Tuesday night. Yeah, I actually fell asleep <laughs> at the end of the episode, um, so I had to go back and rewind it to take it uh, as soon as I was woken up. Um, but the thing about the the data and be able to put that out there so quickly is that I feel like we're just in a time where information is on such overload. Um, you know, we were already feeling that in past years, but this year with twenty twenty being what it's been. Um, I feel like the information is just too much for us all to, you know, really be able to digest and being able to visualize that data can solve that problem, being able to use our eyes to see more patterns and connections that matter. Um, and then just being able to spark those conversations. So I, I see a lot of people who will share that post on their stories and tag me, but then they'll give their insights and they'll be like, wow, I did think that that, that date was so boring. You know, and talking, some people were tagging about how Brendan's date wasn't as impactful as Ivan's. And then actually being able to just see the, the time to back it up to see, okay, there was a little bit more time spent on Ivan's date. So that makes sense from the data perspective. Well, for me, just watching it last, last night with a, with a naked eye, it seemed to me that Ben's hometown lasted half of what the other guys did, but it didn't. It was It was 14 minutes. And... To me, that was actually surprising. I, I knew that if you were to ask me after that episode ended with before your pie chart came out, who had the longest, I would have said Ivan. I just felt like it just seemed a little bit longer. But the fact that um, Ben and uh, Brendan and Zach had exactly the same 15 minutes and Ben only had one minute less. I was like, huh. I texted somebody. I texted one of my friends last night after the Ben one on one date and said, 
was his hometown five minutes long? Because it seemed like it. <laughs> I, so, yeah, I mean, you just kind of lose track and, and, and stuff like that. Um, you I meant- think there's also some psychology there, though, because Ivan had more commercials, so he had more segments throughout his date. So it made it feel longer, whereas Brennan's was pretty much all in one shot. Yeah, that's right. Because Ivan, when when they introduced Ivan's brother, they went to a commercial break, and then when they came back, it yep. was them meeting. So yeah, they didn't have a um, they didn't have an inter. I, I think he might have actually had two interruptions, and everyone else had one. The day portion went to commercial, and then they come back for the night portion. I don't think anybody had fifteen. Zach and Brendan didn't have fifteen consecutive minutes of a hometown, did they? Or did they? No. Okay, it was day portion, commercial, night portion. Right. Yep. Okay. Um, you mentioned about contestants have reached out to you and shared interesting things with you. I don't need you to name anybody by name, um, but what are some of the things that you've gotten feedback wise from contestants? Yeah. So again, I tr- I try to keep a lot of my opinion out of it, um, but what I'm learning is that I'm trying to navigate how to share data on contestants that isn't exactly favorable in their light. So I've I've actually had some people reach out to me lately asking why I stopped tagging contestants in all my posts just so that they could easily navigate to look at their profiles. And I think some of the conversations have kind of made me feel a little bit weird about it because if it isn't exactly the best data, while the data is true, it can also hurt them and they're humans. And, you know, I really do pay a lot of attention to the segments, you know, where Kaylin Bristow was talking about, that was one of the first ones I remember where they were talking about just, the horrible vitriol that's said online to them in their DMs. Yeah. Um, and I see it myself. I mean, I, I've been, I get DMs all the time of people being like, Hey, have you looked at this page? Their numbers are really sketchy. They look like they're buying followers. And um, it's really hard these days to be able to really pinpoint when people are buying followers, especially, you know, during Colton season, it was really easy to identify it because of different things like looking at, you know, have they been eliminated? Are there any stories out there about them in the media? Are they posting anything? And they randomly had this 20,000 follower jump after losing 500 followers the previous day. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I try not to ever explicitly say, yes, this person's buying followers because it's hard to find that. But at the same time, I'm also trying to navigate that these are people on the other side that are trying to make a living off of it, and I don't blame them for it. I mean, if you look at these people who are coming on the show and gaining hundreds of thousands of followers simply for being on TV, and then they have to suddenly pivot that into a career where they have to be these social media savvy people who understand what their followers will engage with and buy so that they can continue to get these brand partnerships. I think it's important that that stays in mind when sharing that data because it can hurt them. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned something right there that that triggered something with me that um, made me think of a new a different question for you is that what you're doing is tracking all this stuff just based on show stuff. Imagine if you had to include any story on People Magazine about them, any story on Us Weekly about them, and then tracking, did their follower jump, did their follower increase, did their follower count increase because a story came out about them on one of the tabloid sites, which I'm sure it would. Uh, but you're only doing it just based off show stuff, right? Or are you including stuff like that? 
Yes and no. So I had a very amazing person who reached out to me early on who was enjoying my posts uh, back in was 20, beginning of 2019. Because when I first started this, I was manually opening every single profile every day to collect all their Instagram follower accounts. And this person wrote me a script that essentially scrapes, it's called web scraping, that goes and pulls their Instagram followers. And I just run a script. It's, it's amazing. And it worked really well for a while where I was able to just run it every day. And I was literally tracking over 600 people that have ever been on the show. But in the last, uh, I'd say, year, Instagram has been getting really finicky um, over, you know, APIs that do this. And it's I'm constantly having to reach out to this amazing person who wrote it for me to help troubleshoot it with different things to try to get around it. Um but there are some times where I'll see that something massive just happened and I'll pop over and start tracking those people. So over the summer, when I was slowly trying to get my personal life back and trying to not work 15 hours a day um, with the whole shutdown and, and school systems, I started tracking um, Hannah B. and Tyler consistently around the whole quarantine crew. And I was also tracking Matt. Um, so I do track it sometimes, but right now I'm just focusing on the seasons until I can either Instagram stops blocking everybody who's trying to web scrape pages or we can figure out a better solution with them. And that, and that was my next question to you for people that are not even understanding how you're being keeping track of this. So you're saying before you started this and before you were able to write a script for this, you would literally have to pull up, let's just say you were covering one season, Peter's season, 25, however many women he had, 25 or 30. You had them all on some sort of spreadsheet, and once a day, maybe at the same time every night, you would go and be like, okay, let me pull up her Instagram, let me write down how many followers she has, let me pull up hers, and you had to do that 30 times a day, every day. Yes, it oh. was horrible. We'd be on vacation, and... We, I remember that year we went out to Colorado to go ski and I came back from our fourth day and I dislocated my knee or partially dislocated it while skiing. And I had to take out my laptop to take the follower accounts because I needed the data. Um, and I'm so grateful, but it's, it's still pretty finicky right now with Instagram. So there are some days where I'm doing it or family members doing it for me if I'm swamped with work. Um, just until we can get it ironed out. But it, it isn't as horrible now. Uh, gotten faster with it whenever I need to do it. But definitely so grateful for Emily who reached out to me to build that script. So this script that you have right now that's set on, let's you know, let's just say all of all of um Tasha's men. Mm-hmm. Every night at a certain time, it just says, okay, here's their new follower count. And all you have to do is compare it to the day before. And that shows you your growth or decline. Sort of. I I use Mac, so if anybody's listening who understands the technical side, I just open this app called Terminal, which essentially runs on the core of your computer. And I run the script, and I try to do it around 8 p.m. Eastern every night so it can stay consistent. And I just put in a few lines of code, and then it just does it. So it just runs for like five, six minutes, and then it just appears on my Google Sheet. It's like magic, and I'm trying to learn Python right now, if anybody understands coding languages, so I can learn how to do it myself. Um, but it's it's pretty spectacular what it can do. Uh, this is this is fascinating. I, I'm geeking out over all this, and I don't even know half the words that you're saying right now. Um, so 
let's get into some of the fun stuff uh, about this when and I don't know if you you might have some of these numbers in front of you or at least give your best guess based on looking at this stuff every day. Um, first off, buying followers versus sponsored posts. I'm confused by this because I've seen sponsored posts show up in my Instagram feed. But mm-hmm. then if you do a sponsored posts, uh, a sponsored post, does that mean you're buying followers? How does it work? Okay, so there's re- there's really three categories here whenever we talk about buying followers or sponsored posts. You can either buy followers, so that's like buying bots or just fake accounts that will inflate your follower count, and they're typically not real accounts. Then you have sponsored posts. Um, We see those a ton. You see them with influencers to contestants that become influencers, and that's where they're partnering with a company to sell something. Um, Some people just sponsor a ton of stuff, while others keep it a little more authentic to stuff that they actually use or say that they use. And then there are promoted posts. And this season was the first time that people really started to talk about promoted posts. So you'll see sponsored posts come up sometimes. And those come specifically from companies that are trying to sell you an advertisement. Um, I haven't really been able to see how that works on the back end of Instagram. But essentially, the way you'll see those, you see them a lot between stories whenever you're swiping on Instagram where at the top, it'll either say the company and you'll see one of your influencers that you recognize. um, Or sometimes it actually comes from the influencer who it comes through. Um, And those are typically brand partnerships that, you know, the the company benefits from it because it helps them market their their product. And then it helps the influencer because then they can have an income. And, you know, over the last few decades, there's actually been a huge shift within the marketing industry to move money that they used to do and advertisements and things like magazines and TV shows towards influencers. It's a whole new market that you now see all of these jobs around social media managers to help with brand partnerships. Then you have promoted posts. So I actually use promoted posts. I have, um, in addition to what I do in my day job, I have a startup. It's a ed tech product. And a lot of companies will use promoted posts to be able to get their posts in front of the right people. So essentially what a promoted post does is you pay. So you say, I want to spend $10 a day for five days and I want Instagram to either put it in front of these types of people or put it in front of people who are like my followers. And essentially what that does is as you're swiping through your feed or through your stories, it'll show that post Now, a lot of people will confuse that with buying followers, but what that does is it just puts your content in front of people. It's on you at that point to create content that's actually engaging that either makes them engage with the post or go follow you. Or go follow you, Um, yeah. Okay. And if if I'm not mistaken, I've only seen one person show up in a sponsored post. I've seen it on Facebook. Same person on Facebook. And Instagram, that's one of Tasha's guys, and that's Chasen. Is that correct, that I've seen him doing sponsored posts? I mean, uh, um, promoted posts? Yes. So he was the first contestant that we've really seen do it, or at least it's been reported. Other ones may have done it, and it just didn't get out there. Um, and again, I around the topic of sponsored posts and promoted posts, I, I want to make sure that it isn't coming across negatively because 
there's nothing wrong in doing them. Again, the sponsored posts, yes, you're getting paid for it by the company, but still those companies look at your engagement numbers to see did people, how many people swiped up, how many people actually used your code. And if those, if you're not getting high rates on those, that company is not going to come back to you. So again, you have to have good content and you need to have followers that trust you. Same thing with the promoted posts. I, I don't, speak on those negatively because again it requires you to have good content and that in itself is really difficult buying followers on the flip side is something that is very much looked down upon because it's you know an artificial way to grow your followers yeah and it's not real because i I mean i've heard all these stories about engagement versus you know likes versus engagement because if somebody with a million followers puts up a post of them at the beach or them with a puppy or something like that or I know ba- I know baby stuff is huge uh for people that that generates yes. a lot of engagement but is there a certain algorithm I- I've heard different statistics over the years that you have for for a company to want to come back to you you need at least 5 to 10% of your total following maybe either on likes or engagement, or maybe it's a separation or a combination of both. Like if if somebody with a million followers puts something out and gets 10,000 likes, something tells me that that person has a lot of bot followers because when you have a million people following you and you put something up and only 10,000 people like it, that's not a lot. Correct. Yeah. So I'm not an expert in this and unfortunately one of the, the best tools out there for figuring this out have disappeared. There's still some good ones. So uh, I know Influencer Hub has a really good tool where you can just go in and put in a person's username and it will calculate that. It'll put in how many followers they have on average, how many likes do they get per post, how many comments, and then it'll do an authenticity score. Um, there was an awesome tool called IG Audit that was actually... It had to be taken down because the guy who created it was essentially sent this letter from Facebook that was like, take this down or else. Um, But it was this awesome tool that would actually tell you, it would go and scan through a percentage of the followers, not all of them. And it would use some different algorithms to calculate how many of those were actually bot accounts. But it's also tough right now for people to buy followers from what, I'm reading online around this type of trying to learn about this is that it's really risky to buy followers because if you don't do, if you don't buy them through a good source and Instagram catches on to the sudden growth and the inauthenticity of it, you could actually have your account shut down permanently or shadow banned, or there's a ton of different things that could happen. Um, so I think a lot of people are relying on things these days, like, um, you know, giveaway loops are the big one right now. Yeah. And can you explain, can you explain giveaway loops to people, including including myself? (laughs) I'm kind of confused by it. And again, this is one of those things I'm not trying to equate it to buying followers. Again, it's, it's not people buying followers, but what an influencer or giveaway loop is, and you may have seen this before and just not really known what it was called is where an influencer will say, hey, I'm giving away this awesome thing. And a lot of times they'll partner with a brand for these. Go follow these five people and then, you know, like this post and then you're entered to win. So essentially what that does is it it 
it makes people follow other accounts and it's a win for the marketing company. It's a win for the influencer because they get all these new followers and, you know, everybody wins. But, you know, at the same time, it's just a way to, to grow your followers. But at the end of the day, if you don't create good content, people will get annoyed with you and then end up unfollowing you. Well, that's what, so I, that's see- what I was saying. On a giveaway loop, usually it's a you know some sort of prize, whatever it may be. Once you enter that and it's and you you follow somebody that says, "Hey, follow these five accounts, like my post, and you are entered into our next giveaway." And then that giveaway happens, you don't win. Wouldn't you just go back and be like, "All right, well, I'm unfollowing those five posts or those five exactly. accounts." Now, there's there's actually an influencer in the Dallas area actually um who does this really well. So, I I follow this other uh forum called Blogsnark where they they talk about some of this stuff sometimes. And I remember them talking about how this influencer named Danny Austin, um, at the beginning of the pandemic, she only had 400,000 followers. I say only because she just hit 1 million followers just over the course of the pandemic. And she's been a blogger for years, like since college, from what I, I read. So that's, two and a, um, so that's two and a half times in basically the last eight months. She's yeah. she's, she's multiplied her follower count by two and a half times in, in, eight, Which, in eight months. At the same time, I looked at her page. It looks like she just had a baby, so... Normally, mommy accounts of people who just have a baby, they also get a ton of followers from other moms who are trying to go through such a difficult time yeah. of having a baby and everything around that, best products and feedback on her like tips and tricks. But she does tons of loop giveaways. Um, and yeah, there's, there's a whole culture around analyzing this stuff um, for influencers outside of The Bachelor, which can be really interesting to you know, just rabbit hole down. But those loop giveaways have become really popular to grow your followers. But at the same time, just like sponsored posts and just like promoted posts, you have to get people to continue to follow you by creating good content, which is very difficult. Yeah, no, it is definitely uh, not easy. I mean, there are few accounts out there that I follow that I think produce great content and some that don't. Um, getting back to your in terms of what you do, this is a little fun thing that I wanted to compare and contrast. And that's since we're basically, I mean, we're down to the final three of Tasha's season, but we just had the final four on Monday. So yep. I want to compare Tasha's final four guys, Instagram following versus our last season of the bachelorette, which was Hannah Brown, even though we can't compare um, time frames because Hannah's aired in the normal non COVID time frame of the bachelorette, which is May through July. But uh, what were Hannah Brown's four, her four, her final four? We know Jed, Tyler, Peter, and Luke Parker, and then we've got Tasha's final four guys of Brendan, Zach, Ben, and Ivan. How are how are these guys, Tasha's guys, trending versus Hannah Brown's guys? Yeah, so interesting question, and I know we talked about this beforehand. So I'm actually going to have a post for this tomorrow before your podcast goes up because it's really interesting to look at and there's a lot of variables in this question that i'll also go over but in short taisha's men are absolutely flopping compared to hannah's men Mm. and i'm including all of hannah's final four so as a recap hannah's final four were jed luke parker peter and tyler c and if you look at taisha's final four there's only one, and it's Ben, who just passed 
the lowest from Hannah's season, Luke Parker. And no one else has passed where Luke Parker was at this point in the season. And that's what we got to be clear on. We're talking about the point in the season that we're at. You know, Final yes. Four was this past Monday. It was, we're talking about, you're talking about Hannah Brown's Final Four's numbers at the time of the Final Four episode, which would have been around July of 2019. We're not talking about Jed, Tyler, Peter, and Luke Parker's numbers right now. We're not comparing apples right. to oranges. We're comparing apples to apples here. And those guys, way ahead of Tasha's four men, you're saying? Yes. I mean, Tasha's uh, the only guy who just passed one of them was Ben, but nobody's even getting to the point of passing Jed. <laughs> okay, so, so I mean, what what are the number what are the numbers right now? I know I know Ben is leading for all of Tasha's guys and, and we're talking about her final four. He's at what, 290 almost 300,000 followers right now? Yeah, so there's a ton of growth overnight. Um Ben just hit 300,000 today. Okay. Um and at this point, um I got to pull it up to figure out the exact point. I'll figure out this number for tomorrow, but um, Luke P was essentially at, gosh, what was this? He was at where Brendan was, so around 199,000 followers. Um, So Brendan hasn't even passed where Luke P was, so Luke P was probably just over 200,000 at this point. Okay, and Ty, and... You know, we talk about Jed and Tyler. Tyler Cameron, it's almost like we can't include him because he's such no. <laughs> an anomaly. I mean, because what, what were Tyler Cameron's numbers at Final Four last year, July of 2019? Where was he at? He was at 900,000. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and, and Tasia's top Tyler. guy is at three right now. Like that's, and, he yeah. fi- and he finished fourth. <laughs> like Her but top guy is finished Tyler, fourth. Tyler, though. Like, Peter was already in the 500,000s, and Luke P, okay, here we go. I got the number now. Luke P was at, you know, 200,000. Um, but he had a so, negative, he had a negative edit. Uh, uh, damn, he was yeah. he was the villain. So, of course, he and was fourth Jed, of those four. Jed was in the 300,000s, so like upper 300,000s. So it also, it might be the time of the year. It might be people not engaging because of, I, I don't look, I actually don't look at, um, the weekly ratings for the show. Yeah. It might be people are just not engaging. It, it, um, it's tough because it is airing at a different part of the year. We are in the holiday season. Uh, the ratings aren't as, as good as they have been uh, in years past for Tasha's season. That's just factually, that's just factual information that is correct. Again, that's not me hating on Tasha. Just go look at the numbers and compare it to previous bachelorette seasons. However, to play devil's advocate there, Tasha's season is also airing at a time when the bachelorette has never aired October through December. So, it's tough to say what's outweighing the other. You know, we just don't know. Yeah, you'd have to you'd have to literally you'd have to manually interview or you know take surveys of everybody and ask why aren't you engaging? It's just obviously it's just yeah. not going to happen. But yeah, I mean Tyler Cameron being at nine hundred thousand followers in the final four <laughs> is ridiculous. I mean, it, and second place would have been Peter. What was Peter at at final four of Hannah's season? Upper five hundred thousand. Upper five hundred. Um. Yeah, and you've got one guy barely scraping three hundred thousand of Tasha's men, and yeah. the other ones aren't even at two. So it's like, wow. It's just like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's a a timing thing. I don't know if that's a disinterest thing. I don't even think it's just Ben and Brendan. I mean, once you expand it out and look at Ivan and Zach C, I mean, neither of them have even broken ninety thousand yet. <laughs> 
Yeah, see, that's that to me. That to me screams it might be the time frame of when this is airing. I, I, I don't. I it just and, and granted the the numbers are down, the ratings are down for this season, but to not even be at a hundred thousand and we're the finale is next week. You know, usually now here's the other thing that I wanted to ask, and it kind of goes hand in hand with this. I also think. I mean, maybe Hannah's wasn't a good example because those guys did rake in a lot of followers. But I tend to think that women on Instagram, people tend to follow the women contestants of the show more than the men, right? Like, of the top 20 people in all of Bachelor Nation, if you ranked largest following to smallest following, but just go to the top 20, how many of them are women? 70%. So it's 14 of them. 14? Okay, yeah. that's That's the point I was trying to make is that Men, I don't think, are very well followed because I don't think men do a lot of giveaways and loop giveaways. And yeah. um, I think there's also, as a woman myself, um, you know, I don't follow a ton of people from the show. Um, I'm sure that surprises some people. I actually rarely care about the contestants after their season ends. Um, that makes two of but us. But <laughs> there, whenever I see certain people on the show with a good fashion sense or you know, who does their makeup well or who does their hair in a way that I want to do my hair, I'm more inclined to follow them. Yeah. Whereas for men, they don't have a ton of room to grow and, and gain what is mostly women demographics from the show. Most people just follow them either because they're attracted to them, I'm assuming. Yeah. I'm also speaking out of my own experience. I'll, I'll follow people who I think are attractive or if I'm interested to see what happens to them after the show. So Tyler C., I was so engaged after his season ended because I wanted to see if him and Hannah would hook up and they did. Yeah. So it was really interesting to be able to see that and follow that. And you saw it in their follower counts. I mean, Tyler just, he performed so well on this show. Um, so that's looking at this type of stuff and being able to compare between seasons is something I'm actually hoping to start doing for Matt's season. So, um, I'm actually planning to launch in the next week. Um, is a new way to kind of do like a PFF style. If anybody has either listened to your podcast with Mike Renner, who was on the show who works for PFF or cares about football. It's actually a, like they do a rating system where they'll compare players in, in different positions to other players and how they're performing and rate them on multiple scales. Um, Now that I'll have been doing this, this will be my third year. I can now have, three seasons so I can actually make a trend and start rating them on how they're performing based on other people who went home at certain points or had certain amounts of screen time. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's just another level of this stuff that I think people would enjoy. You know, I, 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 you and I have talked about it. I've talked about bachelor clues, uh, that podcast, yes. that Instagram account, uh, they're going to be on again in a couple weeks uh, on this awesome. podcast to, to talk about, season and to preview Matt season, but the way they look at the show as more of a game aspect, and now you're thinking of doing some sort of statistics to show people yeah. a rating system of who, which players uh, are the best. I think it's fascinating, and I think certainly you and Bachelor Clues can hook up and start putting your minds together and coming up with stuff. And you know, you mentioned Matt season, and you're going to have stuff out again. And this goes for a lot of seasons because I've started to do this in terms of 
when I first find out about contestants on the show before ABC releases that dump of everybody that's, you know, possibly going to be on the season that they're doing. They've done for like the last five or six seasons where it's like, hey, here's the potential cast for Hannah Brown or Matt James and whatever. And we get more people than end up being on the show. And it's usually about three days before filming. Clearly, there's always people that I already have and I've already written down their follower count uh, just to keep track because I'm always interested. But just kind of eyeballing Matt's right now and I'm looking at some of the numbers. You know, it's just it's kind of just fascinating to me that a lot of these contestants, pretty much 90 to 95 percent of them, when they are first named a contestant on the show, the only people that are following them are like, you know, friends and family. I mean, some of these people, you know, one of the girls that's who's like, here's going to be a perfect example. Abigail, uh, the 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 woman who has a cochlear implant who who gets the first impression rose on Matt's season. When I first wrote her stuff down, she had 887 followers. I guarantee come mid-March when this finale airs, and I don't know how long she lasts, but I know she lasts pretty long. Um, I don't know the exact time she goes home. But for someone to go from 887 followers, which is probably just you know people she went to college with, some high school people, she is going to have hundreds of thousands of followers come March. We all know it. And it's just it's it's a fascinating thing to look at. But just remember, on October... Seventh, when Abigail was announced as a contestant on the show, she had 887 followers. Go check back yeah. in March of where she's at, and it's it's kind of crazy because she can yeah. whatever she does for work, she can quit, and if she want if she wanted to, I don't know if she's going to, but just kind of looking over the numbers, I think maybe five or six girls, five or six women of Matt had six. over had had over 10,000, maybe right. Yeah, so from the original cast, I actually have some data on this that I was prepping for a post of uh, the last, I guess now five seasons, if you include Matt's. Yeah. Um, Matt's season of the original cast, 10 of them had over 10,000 followers. Uh, but now that the actual cast have been released, it's down to six. So but six of the, the 31, six of the, or six of the 32, you're saying? Yeah, okay. have over 10,000 followers, but... If you look at the average of all the all the contestants and how many they had when they were first announced, so back in October, not not right now in December, yeah, the average was fifteen thousand followers. If you look back at previous seasons, most of them are under ten thousand followers on average, with the exception of Peter's season. Peter was the only season that had more contestants with over ten thousand followers than any other season. See, I'm looking at some of these numbers. I know Kaylee, these are numbers that I think that I wrote down. This was October 7th. This is when they first became public to the rest of us. Kaylee Anderson had 23,000. Catalina Morales. Oh, wait, she's not well, on. Oh, wait, she might be on the Kelly Kaylee had 23,000, but her fan account had 38,000. That's right. She has a fan account. <laughs> uh, Brittany Galvin at 20.8, but she's a, she's one that arrived. She's technically not even on the cast yet, but she does arrive five episodes in. Um, uh, Kit Keenan, obviously she had 40,000. She was the number one girl heading into this season in terms of followers already built in. Maggie had 10,000 and Katie who, Oh, Katie, the TikTok girl. She had 18.2 and Sonny, if I'm pronouncing her name right, she had 11,000. So yeah, but Sonny didn't. Yeah, and Sonny it was a was a night one girl. So yeah, I mean, that's it's weird. So you're saying the thirty the average of the thirty two thousand is fifteen? 
of the 32 contestants, I mean, they're, they're 50, the 32 con- yeah. Really? That must, I mean, maybe it's Kit's numbers that are bringing them all up because that seems like a lot because I'm looking at some of the other ones. You know, Abigail, 887. Uh, Alana, yeah. 2,400. Alicia, 7,900. Amber, 6,500. Anna, 6,100. Like, how do you get to 50? How do you get to an average of 15 when I just lead, I just read off five women and none of them had more than eight? I don't know. And Colton was actually the lowest of the most, the three most recent Bachelor seasons in terms of followers. His average was only just under 9,000. We had a few people on there like Kaylin that had a huge following already because of her pageant world. Um, But most of them were actually pretty low. Um, But women, definitely, they have much, they have more followers than than the men when they come on the show. For sure. And um, that's why I, I always try to compare to previous seasons of the same type. So Bachelor to Bachelor, rather than comparing Maddie to Tyler C. While they were both massive in growth, if you look at the rest of the season, it's very different. Yeah, and I just, you know, I, I, I talk about the fact that this has an average, the women on Matt's season have an average of 15,000 right now. And, you know, the other season was an average, like you said, Colton's season was an average of 9,000. In the end, it really doesn't matter because come March, they're all going to be in the hundreds of thousands. At least the top yeah. the top women of Matt's season are all going to be well over 100, 200, 300. Some might even be in the four or 500,000 range. We just... That's just the way the show works. I, I, the, the biggest example I always remember was Cassie on Colton's season. I remember yes. when I pulled her. Uh, at the time that I found out that Cassie was a contestant on Colton's season, I remember looking at her follower account, and it was less than 10,000, and now she's at, what, 1.8? I mean, it's just it's yeah. just a crazy – and Cassie has done nothing since the show in terms of she hasn't done any – she appeared on the GOAT episode this past summer – for five minutes, but she's not somebody that at least that from what I've seen and I do follow her hasn't done a lot of bachelor nation related stuff because she's been going to school to get her degree. Uh, but to go from less than 10,000 to 1.8 million in basically three months that your show is airing, that's, that's such a life change and a life shock because now you almost have to, there is, no one can tell me any differently. There is a pressure to put out interesting content because yeah. you have these people that are like, wow, 1.8 million people now care about what the hell I do on my Instagram just because I was on this silly dating show. I kind of have to do stuff to keep them engaged, entertained. I don't yeah. know. It, it can't I be it's, easy. It's it's tough for them too. I mean, I know from my own experience through my startup uh, Instagram and Twitter profiles, and then also now this Bachelor Data Instagram profile, I I started with zero followers, and I had every single post to test and tweak to see, okay, what responds better? What type of background? What type of aesthetics for the page? And how does it look? Obviously, I look at that data because I enjoy data, but it I had no following to start learning that. And you know, with my startup, I've been doing that for over a year and a half at this point. And it, there's not a lot of pressure coming into it to, you know, have amazing content at the beginning. And then some of these people like Maddie last season, they just get thrusted into these hundreds of thousands of followers where they just suddenly have to become experts in what they're producing on social media. So I definitely I applaud the ones that can maintain the follower counts and keep their people engaged and and create engaging content. You know, we're seeing Hannah B right now experiencing or experimenting with her 
with her YouTube page and seeing what converts there and what maintains her followers. I'm sure that this is something that she has to analyze or she has a social media manager that helps her with it. Um, but it's not easy and they're definitely thrusted into having to learn this all very quickly. Yeah. And it, and it just can't be easy. I know there's a lot of pressures to keep your engagement up, to keep your followers up because if you lose followers, that's just like losing money essentially, because we know that there's certain benchmarks. If you have 500,000 followers and you do a post, you're supposed to get X amount of likes and X amount of engagement for that advertiser to want to come back and use you again. Or if you're giving out a code, I don't know what the breakdown is of how many people they want to buy stuff if you link to something. I, I, I don't know what it is. I think it's probably different for each product. But yeah. um, but just the amount that these people gain, especially, like we said, the women, because Instagram is more of a female app, I would say. It's geared towards women. Like you said, like you said yourself, as a woman, you're more interested in the clothes that guy, the clothes that the women are wearing, the makeup, the hairstyles. Guys don't care about that stuff to find that online. I, I've never, and look, I, you know, I'm also 45 years old, so maybe I'm not the demographic, but I'm never going on Instagram, even when I come across guys in the franchise or even other men, and seeing what they're wearing in their post and being like, man, that's a cool shirt. I want that. Like that's just, I don't know. I just I I think I'm in the majority here of guys that don't look at Instagram for wardrobe uh, help. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. And then we don't have to worry about makeup. Um, I, we don't have to worry about hairstyle. Like I'm certainly not looking at hairstyles on uh, on Instagram and being like, oh, how does he do his hair? Like, but yeah. I know that women think, do. You know. I think that also depends too on like what your industry is that you're trying to do on Instagram. So if you have, you know, somebody who is a lifestyle or I forgot how, the, how Tasha explained herself. Lifestyle and beauty, a, right? Was this, yeah. So. Lifestyle and beauty industry. Yeah. Um, on Instagram, that's a super oversaturated market, yeah. but you know, men who sell clothes are, are trying to promote like good clothing styles while that's not a massive industry, it's this really small market that if you have really high engagement, it actually can, you don't have to have hundreds of thousands of followers. So there's a few people that I follow, you know, my personal side that have actually quit their jobs with under a hundred thousand followers just because they're in such a small market that's performing really well. But I think most of the people that come onto this show, they're choosing a very oversaturated market. So they, there's a lot of pressure around it against, you know, the moms out there that perform better in that type of industry that have that special thing that helps draw in followers. Um, it's definitely interesting to see how people pivot. You know, there's some people who go more towards, you know, skincare, which is a really big industry. Some that go into like uh, crystal that go into fitness that perform really well. Yeah. Um, you know, I have, I have my own friends that I actually, you know, chat with on Discord that are like, hey, I actually got Crystal's, you know, workout routine. It's actually really good. So it's it's performing well and it's the smaller market, but it it isn't so oversaturated. Yeah, that's the tough part. Like you said, there is so much oversaturation because the main things that the women do from this show, once they get off and they go on Instagram and start pitching product or even starting podcasts or or you know, what products they're going to pitch. It's mostly centered around either hair or clothing 
or makeup or fitness. I'd say those are probably the, the four. So it's like, well, how are you differenti- differentiating yourself from, you know, someone like Crystal? Crystal's uh, done very well for herself in the fitness world post-show. So if someone else comes off of, you know, Matt James season and is like, I want to do a fitness Instagram and I'm going to put them, I'm going to put workouts on my Instagram posts and in my feeds. It's just like, okay, but there's so many other out there. Like what makes you different? And I don't think a lot of these people think ahead of to what really does make them different. Why am I going to look at your makeup tutorial over somebody else's? Why am I going to look at your hair tutorial over someone else's? It's just, I guess it's just a matter of personal preference, I guess, but it's not easy to do to keep up with, to come up with something that has original content because we all know a lot of these contestants are basically doing the same things when they get off and it's hair, it's makeup, it's fitness or it's clothes. Unless I'm missing one. I mean, there's, but there's other ones too. I mean like podcasts, if you look at Becca from Ari season, she's doing exceptionally well on her podcast and it has amazing ratings. And she's also starting to tap into some other industry, like some other areas where she's starting to have, you know, tough conversations, which can scare a lot of contestants around getting political, but she isn't scared of that. And it is an actual, like a powerful market. There were people will go to that. I know I'm one of them. I listen to Chatty Broads and it's, you know, it's an awesome podcast and I keep going back to it because they're having awesome conversations. So I think those bigger categories, you can say like, oh, okay, they have a podcast, but as we're seeing with clickbait with Tasha's and Joe's podcast, I just because you're in the spotlight and you have a podcast from the show doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to perform well. Yeah. And you know, you bring up clickbait and you bring up the one thing, I, the other thing I forgot coming out of this show that women start to do is food stuff. And that's kind yeah. of where Hannah Ann has pivoted. Where, where it just is, That's been out of left field. Like <laughs> everything Hannah Ann does now is centered around cooking and food. And, and I mean, good for her. I just don't think anybody saw that coming because everyone was like, I, oh my God, she's going to be down in paradise. She's going to be yeah. a model. She, I mean, she has done some modeling stuff. But yeah. the amount of cooking stuff that Hannah Ann has done, it seems like that's what she wants. That's the niche market that she's going after is yeah. I'm going to do recipes and I'm going to cook and people are going to follow me and watch yeah. me and, and buy stuff. And I think a lot of people will laugh. I mean, I know I, I chuckled when he said her name because I think back to the post about her throwing leaves in the air and bringing leaves into her kitchen. But it's performing well. Like it's if you like, I laugh about this because it's not my my area. It's I am not interested in this. But it's performing well, and she's found an area that she's going to make money off of. And you know, we can laugh all that we want, but the contestants end up laughing their way to the bank. So that's why I like to analyze it. Is I I like to try to figure out, you know, what works well for what people and why. And. <sighs> I guess it's almost like you just have to test it out. I mean, I don't know why Hannah Ann thought that that was going to work for her, but it is seemingly working for her, the cooking stuff. I just don't think any of us saw that when Peter's season was rolling. And even after the season, we just figured (laughs) she was going to be an Instagram model. And she has done some modeling stuff for sure. But, I mean, I guess we just didn't know her well enough to know that she was really going to go the cooking route. But, yeah, I mean, it's fascinating uh, what these people get into afterwards and how much, you know, they they talk about. So, I, mean, I mean, I'm already looking at some of Matt's women and all the stuff that they're already talking about slash promoting. 
Uh, I've started to follow a lot more of them than I have in past seasons because I usually don't follow them because people just usually notify me to, hey, did you see when so-and-so did this? And I was like, okay, I'll look. But now I'm just following them so I can and know. And then once Matt's season ends, I'm sure I'm going to unfollow them. But already seeing stuff two, three weeks out before the first episode airs, some women trying to get out ahead of things, um, already pitching stuff that they're wearing. It's it's a fast. This social media has absolutely 100 percent changed the fabric of this show. It's not even a question anymore. Yeah. No, it's 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 something where I'm. It's good and bad, but um, yeah. I mean, I think with with your stuff and your data, um, is it data or data? Is it really? I mean, do we really know? Is it? Is it depend on the the part of the country you're from? Because I think I've always. What have I always said? I've said, I've said data. Yeah, bachelor data. At bachelor data. I say data. data. You say data? Um, okay. I do say data, um, but I know I I am embarrassed to say it. Well, no, I'm not embarrassed to say this because this is a learning journey. But actually learning that um, data is plural, um, and the singular version of it is actually datum. Um, oh, I'm probably pronouncing know. it wrong because I haven't – I've literally never heard anybody actually say the word. Um, but data is actually plural. Oh, God. I had no idea. <laughs> and that, what, <laughs> yeah, what, it's super interesting. And what do I say? Data? Data? What do, I don't I say... No. Well, now you have the bias because of what I said. Yeah, no. Now I think Now I think I was wrong. You said data. Yeah, I said data, <laughs> but I think I was wrong when I said that. I think I've always said data. <laughs> I don't even... I don't know. Anyway, you are at Bachelor Data Data on... Uh, on Instagram, check her out, Susanna. Thank you so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad we had you on. I'm going to be referring to you a lot uh, when talking about followers and people's growth rates and stuff like that. Screen time, I think it's all fascinating stuff. So anybody out there, check it out. Go follow her, uh, Bachelor Data on uh, Instagram. I just said da- data, <laughs> and right before I said data. So um, Susanna, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much to Susanna for that. If you're not following Bachelor Data, Bachelor Data, go on on Instagram right now and follow it. It's so much. I mean, <laughs> there's going to be so much stuff where I, you know, when you just kill time and you're looking at your phone or whatever, just start scrolling through all of her old posts. You will be fascinated by the amount of work she puts into it, and she's doing it for free. Hopefully, she gets, you know, she builds up enough following, she can start making some money off that thing. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to refer to it a lot uh, during the course of podcasts and or tweets and or my column, just because it's loaded with information that the average fan, when you watch on Monday night, you're not taking in. You're not probably comprehending or even wondering if that's even a thing that you should be thinking about. But she really breaks it down for you, and I hope you uh, enjoyed that. So thanks to Susanna for coming on. Thank you all for listening. Uh, I appreciate it for coming back to this podcast and uh, we'll be back next week. Christmas Eve. Gosh, I should probably release it Wednesday night, right? The 23rd. I don't even know who it is yet. I'm trying to get somebody on that. I know a few of you have asked for again. Um, I will try and get them on and hopefully they will. Um, and then I think in two weeks, we're going to have bachelor clues back on We're we're set to roll with them in two weeks. I just need to find somebody next week. Maybe I'll do another reader email uh, voice 
voice emails again if I can't find somebody because it is going to be Christmas week. So anyway, thank you so much uh, for listening. Thank you, thank you to Susanna from Bachelor Data to come on for coming on. I appreciate it. And thank you all for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Uh, give it a five star. You don't have to, but you'll be my best friend if you do. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. And we will talk to you next week. See you.